This is a great way to start a year. I can't think of a better way to start the year than in church. And I love this weekend in particular because there will not be a weekend all year that you believe change is possible more than right now. Am I not right? Like right now you believe you can hit all those goals, you can lose the weight, you can save the money, your marriage is gonna be better, you're gonna be a better parent. Y'all with me, right? I mean, we think right now it can happen. And then we get a few weeks in and we're like, oh, maybe I was a bit too optimistic. But this series that we're talking about over these next few weeks called Better, can we say that together? Better is about having a better year. And perhaps this last week you looked online or maybe you made some resolutions and you heard this phrase, let's have the best year ever. And what I've discovered is very rarely do I have the best year ever. Uh, I thought I would in 2020 and then 2020 hit and I was like, oh wait, that, that's not the best year ever. But it is possible every year to have a better year. And we're gonna talk about how do we actually have a better year and make progress in our lives. And this comes out of a couple of places in my journey. Uh, one of them in particular happened for me a really long period of time ago. I was listening to a podcast from a guy that worked at this company. You know what company this is? Chick-fil-A at our Lake Forest campus. Everybody knows Chick-fil-A. International campuses, you can look. This is a wonderful place. People often call it Christian chicken. Um, <laughs> but Chick-fil-A, it's an awesome place. Our family goes there. But there's a story about uh, the founder of Chick-fil-A. So one of my distant mentors, a guy by the name of Jeff Henderson, used to serve as a VP at Chick-fil-A. And one time he was in a meeting with Truett Cathy, the founder of Chick-fil-A, and all of these young leaders are sitting around the table and another chicken store, another chicken restaurant is expanding and they're expanding at a faster pace than Chick-fil-A was. So this is decades ago. And uh, Truett Cathy, the founder of Chick-fil-A, takes his fist out in this executive boardroom and starts pounding on the table as all of these young leaders are saying, we need to get bigger, we need to open more stores, we need to move, 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 move. And Truett Cathy is pounding on the table and says, stop talking about getting bigger. Start talking about getting better, because when we get better, our customers will demand that we get bigger. And I love that phrase, because that idea of getting better, it's a powerful phrase that helps us understand the power of 1% in our lives where we make progress. So many of our lives, we often look at how do we become the best, how do we have the best year, but we fail to recognize how do we have a better year. Another part that this came out of for me was about five years ago, uh, I hired a trainer. So one of our staff members at our church in the Bay Area and I, we hired a trainer together. And she's about 15 years older than us, really, really strong, incredible, like beast of a, of a woman who is like, you know, and I mean that in the positive sense, by the way. Um, <laughs> just, just to clarify in case anybody is wondering. Sometimes you say things and you're like, oh, wait, that, don't misinterpret that. Uh, wonderful beast. But... Um, so we, we would go train with her, and she said something so profound. She said, oftentimes when it comes to goals physically or any goals, we set these really lofty goals that we end up not attaining, and those goals, they're ideal goals. Like, I'm going to lose 20 pounds in the next three months, or I'm going to work out every day this year. And she said this. She said, make it your goal every year when it comes to fitness to get a little bit better. So from that point, I made it a goal. This was like seven years ago. I said, okay, this year 
I'm gonna work out, about that time it was 150 times a year, and then the next year it was 175, and then 200, and then 250, and then uh, 2020 happened and there was nothing else to do, so I worked out 300 times that year. And then after 2020, I kind of went backwards, the opposite direction. But her phrase of get a little bit better stuck in my mind. And so this series is all about how do you get better. Now, it comes from Scripture as well. The Apostle Paul one time in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 through 14 and these will be our theme verses for this message series, he makes a very powerful statement. And he's writing this letter to a church, helping them understand his perspective from prison on following Jesus. And so he gives different examples of what it means to follow Jesus. He gives different people. He gives some of his mindset from prison. And there's so many moments throughout this letter he uses phrases like consider and think and meditate or ponder. And he wants them to think about their lives through the right angle. And listen to what he says about how he considers his life. He says this. He says, I want you, brothers and sisters, to know that not have I already obtained all of this or have I already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took a hold of me. So this is a great verse at the beginning of a year, that there are many goals in our lives that we still haven't obtained or achieved, but we press on, he says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. Now Paul is using the image of a runner in a race, and he's saying it's really hard to run forward in a race when you're facing backwards with what's behind you. And this is true with our new year. It's really hard to lean in fully to what is ahead of us when our eyes are always on what's behind of us. So he says I'm pressing on to the goal, and he says this, that I do it forgetting what is behind, I press on to the goal to win the prize for which Christ Jesus has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So I am pressing forward to which God has called me. Now one way to think about this is to compare and contrast the difference between best and better. So I'm gonna fly through some of this and it will help us frame the whole message series in our minds. When we think about the difference between best and better. The first is this, best is all about perfection. And I know that we have a lot of perfectionists. I'm, I'm married to one who's close to perfect. She's a perfectionist. Some of, some of our personalities were like more tendency, have a higher tendency towards perfection. Uh, some, some of us, like me, leave messes everywhere we go. We're, we're not perfect and uh, very, very far from it. But we marry perfect people, so we feel better about ourselves. But um, perfection is what best is all about and better is about progress. So best is about perfection, and better is about progress. It's kind of like this when I was growing up, my grandparents' house, and can't remember if I've shared this story yet here, but at my grandparents' house, uh, we used to have this door that we would go in and my grandparents would measure us. So every holiday, we'd stand against the door, they'd get a little book, and they'd write a line, and then we'd go back a month or two later. And it was like a competition with my cousins to see who was the tallest, and you could put the date, so the date was right next to it, and you knew how tall they were at what date, and it was like they would boast about their height. And you're like, you have nothing to do with that. It's like, they're, they're, you have no control over it, but you can boast about it, that's awesome. And what perfection is about from a measurement standpoint, it's a vertical measurement of our greatness. And so best is all about perfection, where progress, what it does is it switches the measurement. 
So I, actually, I can't control how high I grow or how tall I grow, but I can control my progress. I can control the direction that my life is moving in. So the measuring stick, a really good question, is when it comes to measurements in our lives, what gets measured gets managed. So what gets measured gets our attention, and if the measurement is a stick of perfection, then we're always frustrated and discouraged. So we switch the measuring stick. Paul says in Philippians chapter three, and we're gonna skip all around in these verses today, but he says, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more, circumcised on the eighth day, which is an interesting thing to boast about, um, of the people of Israel, I thought that was funny, um, of the tribe of Je Benjamin, of Hebrews of Hebrews. Now he's making a point, like he, he kept the law, his family kept the law, and he says, in regard to the law, I was a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness, based on the law, I was faultless. But whatever was a gain to me, now I consider a loss for the sake of Christ. So before Jesus, Paul is saying, I lived under the law, so I had to constantly try to attain, try to measure myself based on my own perfection, but all of that is a loss now, so the measuring stick of my life is not about perfection anymore, about how high I can grow with something I really can't control. I'm never gonna be perfect no matter how hard I try, but I can switch the measuring stick to focus on progress. So best is perfection, better is progress. Best is also demoralizing. It's frustrating, it's discouraging. It's, it's hard because you, you always feel like you're never fully attaining what you want to attain, while better is inspiring, it's encouraging, it motivates, it helps us move in the right direction. I love this quote. It says, obsession with the results will rob us of contentment and leave us always wanting more. Additionally, it keeps us distracted from the process that brought the results in the first place. Now this is important because when it comes to best being a vertical measurement, that contentment, I'm never enough. I'm never fully measuring up to what I want to see accomplished if it's all about perfection, but progress shifts it. And it's important here because he makes a, a very powerful statement. He says that whole goal of perfection keeps us distracted from the process that actually helps us grow. So in the beginning of the year, you're fresh with commitment. Like you, you're ready to change. You want it all to be different. You see all the things that you want to move forward with. That commitment is great. But there's actually a process that moves us forward. There's a process that produces transformation. So I want you to write this down. Commitment plus consistency leads to change. Commitment plus consistency leads to change. So in the new year, commitment is great, it's awesome, it's there, it's present. But what we're talking about with this series is process, progress, consistency that leads to transformation. And it inspires us. Now in addition to this, best is for a few, while better is for everyone. Best is for a select group of people, while better is for all of us. In fact, my kids, they love the concept of the GOAT. You guys all know what the GOAT stands for? Greatest of all time. And how many greatest of all time can there be? There can only be one. In every domain, there can only be one. So for example, if I were to say to you, who's the best, who's the greatest of all time with football, you would say? I hear, somebody said Aaron Rodgers? Oh my gosh, must be some Packers fans in here today hoping that they win today. 
um, on Sunday night football. But uh, that's a stretch. I'm, I mean, just speaking from, speaking from honesty uh, here. But God bless you, Packers fans. We're grateful for you. Uh, but there's debate, right? I mean, you can argue about this, who is the greatest. If I say in basketball, who's the greatest of all time, you would say, oh, see, I hear, I hear different names. If you grew up in my era and you grew up in the Midwest, you would say Michael Jordan. If you grew up in the West Coast and you were 22, you'd say LeBron James. Okay, let's, let's try it again. Um, how, about with, how about with tennis? Who's the greatest of all time? Serena Williams, that's what I heard. There's no argument about that. She's the greatest of all times. So we'll, we'll stop there. Who is, uh, who's the greatest gymnast of all time? Simone Biles? Yes, all right, we won't argue about that either. Okay, so you get my point though. There can only be one greatest of all time and there can actually be many people who are good. And so better is attainable and best is, is it's only for a select few. Finally, the last one I have for here is this, better is rarely attainable while better is always doable. Best is rarely attainable while better is always doable. And I want to camp on this for a moment because there are some of you that if you're honest with yourself, you don't believe that better is possible, that you're so discouraged. You're coming into this new year already discouraged. We're only Eight days into the new year, and you're already discouraged that this year is going to be worse than last year. And God today has you listening to my voice for a reason, to put hope deep in your soul that better is possible. And Paul is writing to us today from a Roman prison cell 2,000 years ago with words that are just as potent today as they were back then because they are the living and active words of God for our lives today. And I want you to hear what Paul says, chained in a prison cell about progress, chained with no knowledge of what's going to happen months or weeks from now that he might lose his life for his faith in Jesus. Listen to his statement about his progress when he is chained to his circumstance. So this gives you hope that no matter what your circumstance is today, it's possible Change and progress is doable in every circumstance in our lives. He says, I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me, there are things in your life that have happened to you already this year that are beyond your control. There are circumstances that you did not choose. But like Paul, these circumstances can be used by God. What has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news for everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I, Paul, am in chains because of Jesus, because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and are now boldly speaking God's message without fear. Progress is possible, Paul says, from a prison cell. My life is moving forward. The message of Jesus is moving forward. Progress is possible, but it's a matter of how we see it and how we think. So this series really is a perspective-shifting series. So here's where we're going to go, and it's so much of a definition of what it means to get better. So we're going to start today, and we're going to look at this idea of better vision, because vision is where it begins. What you see in front of you, your vision is dictating and directing your life. Secondly, we're going to talk after vision. Next week, we're going to come back, and we're going to deal with habits. So I'm going to unpack that concept of commitment plus consistency leads to change next week. 
The third week, we're going to talk in particular about mindsets and how we think that our mindset is shaping whether or not we're getting better. And there's a mindset for growth. There's a mindset that keeps us stuck, and there's a mindset for growth. We're going to talk about that in week three. Week four, we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about priorities. So what's most important? How do you have better priorities with your life? And then the fifth and final week, we're going to talk about uh, better decisions or choices, and how do we make better decisions and choices. Now today, to begin to talk about the subject of vision, I want to outline from Paul's words four choices that we can make in the beginning of the year, four choices that help us have better vision for the new year. And I want to go back to Philippians 3, verse 7, to see what Paul is saying here. He says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. And you can relate to this when you think back on your life. There were things at seasons of your life that were really important to you, but now when you look back, those gains are not nearly as significant. There was money that you made, there were grades that you you got, there were promotions that happened in your life, and those things were important. They were seemingly so significant in the moment. But Paul is saying, now, from a prison cell, later in my life, I see differently. My vision is way clearer now to know what's most important in my life. And here is what's the the vision focus for my life. What was a gain now, I consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them garbage that I might gain Christ. He's saying the most important thing to me right now in this season of my life, after everything has been stripped away, after all my IRA is gone and my retirement accounts and my health is ailing, the thing that is most important to me is knowing Jesus and making him known. And in every season of our life, knowing Jesus and making him known is a possibility. In your suffering, in your cancer, in your ailment, in your hardship, in your circumstance that you are chained to that you wish would change, it is possible to have a vision for your life that is greater than your circumstance to know God and to make him known. There's nothing that is more important. And Paul is giving us an emphasis here, the deeper why, and the choice is that I will choose the deeper why over the surface motivation. So I'm gonna go beneath the thing, beneath the goal, the thing that seems so important to me, there's something under it that is more important that's driving what's on the surface. So I downloaded last year an app, you may have heard of it, it's called the Noom app. It's an app designed to help you lose weight. And in the Noom app, it's all about psychology of eating and exercise, 45 million people have used it. Actually, 78% of the people who have used it have lost weight. I'm one of the 22%. (laughs) But I like the app. It's great. It's wonderful. And what they actually do in the app is they have you write down your goals. And so you write down your weight loss goals and your fitness goals. But then afterwards, they say, well, why? Like, why do you want to lose weight? Why does that matter to you? Why do you want to make more money? Why do you want to eliminate debt? Why do you want to have a better marriage? Why do, you, why do you want to do these activities with your kid? What, why do you, so they take you deeper, and then when you give your why behind the surface goal, then they say, well, what's the deeper motivation beyond that? So they say there's, there's a deeper motivation that is driving the reason that you're paying monthly for this app, that you're, the reason you downloaded this thing, there is something underneath 
And the more you're tapped into that, the more you're living in that deep motivation in your heart, the more transformation is going to happen. So your goals, the things that you create on the surface, the SMART goals they call specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, time-bound, those SMART goals, when you understand the why behind it, it allows you to live with so much more inspiration and motivation, and it sustains you. So when you encounter obstacles, when it's hard, when, it, when it's raining outside and it's like time to go for a run, you, you, you remind yourself, well, this decision matters 20 years from now. This decision matters with my energy at my place of work. This decision matters with my mental health and my strength and focus. So the why drives your transformation and your action because you're connected to a deeper place of motivation in your heart. So the question I wanna encourage you to wrestle through, why does this matter? When you're writing a goal or you're looking to the future, why? Why does this matter to me? Why does it matter so much? One of the conversations, I, I have this ongoing conversation with my kids, especially my teenagers, in particular around what is my definition of success? So whether it's your grades or it's what school you get into or how well you do on the athletic team, that definition of success, the why underneath. In fact, I even started writing out for myself, I am successful when this happens. And sometimes our definition is so off and we have this surf surface motivation but we're not going to that deep place in our heart. The why matters. So I wanna encourage you to reflect on that when you think about this year. If you make progress in an area, why do you wanna make progress in that area? Now Paul's thoughts continue. And he says, not that I've already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it but one thing I do, I wanna encourage you to circle or underline that phrase, but one thing I do. Paul so clearly is focused. It'd be easy to be distracted about the things that are outside of his control. What's gonna happen to me next? How's my life gonna end? How long am I gonna be in this prison cell? How are all the churches doing? All those things that, that probably went through his mind but he's saying, when I boil it all down, I am narrowing the focus of my life. And this one thing that I will do, one thing that I will focus on, I will forget what is behind me and I will strain or press on to what is in front of me. Now the choice Paul is talking about, the choice for us today, that he's narrowing in on, is to say to, we're gonna choose the vital few over the trivial many. So when it comes to vision, it comes to your new year, it comes to transformation, it comes to change, it comes to your choices, there are so many things that are in front of you. And if I were to ask you, what, what do you want to be different about your life at the end of this year, if you were just to sit down with a journal and a pen or a phone and type it all out and you were to say, okay, these are the things that I want to change, I'm sure you'd have a laundry list, a long list of things that, that you want to change. And the natural tendency, especially if you're like, an overachiever or you're very responsible or you like to make progress like me, you will at times try to take on way too much. I saw a picture the other day, uh, it was like a meme and it was a fish on the beach with like another fish in its mouth dead and it said it bit off more than it could chew. Anybody else relate to that? Like you just, sometimes you just take on way too much. And what Paul is saying is one thing, 
I do. I focus on what's ahead, forget what is behind me. So we narrow the focus to say there are a few things that we can give our attention to. Now notice in Philippians 3, uh, as Paul continues his thought, he is saying something uh, very powerful in verse 15. If you'll skip down, it says, all of us then who are mature should take such a view of these things. So I like Paul, this is sassy Paul right here. It's like, hey, if, if, if you're mature, you'll see it the way I see it. In essence, you're wrong, I'm right. And if you don't see it this way, you're wrong and immature. And if at some point you think differently, that too, God will make clear to you that you're wrong and I'm right. <laughs> Only let us live up to what we have already attained. So Paul is making another point here that sometimes you attain or you obtain or you make progress so there might be an area of your life where you've moved forward over the last year. So you move forward in your marriage, you move forward in your parenting, you move forward in your relationships with your roommate, you made progress with your career, but now in the new year, you've got some new things that you're gonna focus on, and the natural tendency when it comes to focus is you shift your focus, and then when you shift your focus on a new thing, the thing that you've already made progress on, you start to step backwards or drift in. And part of the journey of faith so often is just being able to hold ground that you've already taken. One of my mentors said one time, you know, I've been living at, I've been doing this thing long enough that I think at some point we should just start clapping for the people that are still standing. And sometimes we, life just has a way of, of causing us to drift or go backwards. And Paul is saying, there, there are times in your life where you are strategically maintaining. So you made progress here, but now you're gonna, you're gonna hold like you're in a war. It's a spiritual battle for your life. It's a spiritual battle for your mind. It's a spiritual battle for your family. So if you've already gained ground spiritually, while you're taking new ground over here, you're still holding the ground that you've already made progress with. So he is, he is saying, choose to focus on a few things, and when you choose to focus on a few things, you'll make progress and you're still holding ground where you've made progress in the past. So the question is, what one thing, if it were better, would make everything better? So what one thing, if I made progress this year, would make everything better? This is important for us personally and corporately. So this is important for your life. Like there, there are areas of your life where God wants you to make progress. And the Holy Spirit, for those who follow Jesus, comes and lives inside of you and breathes life into you, gives you hope and a future. And the other thing that he does is he convicts you, he convicts me of sin and the places in our lives that God wants us to change and be different. And that conviction comes with help, it comes with power. It's always acute, it's always narrow. It's this is the thing that I wanna focus on, that I wanna change with you. One of my mentors, a guy by the name of John Worcester, told me a story one time, he had moved to Russia and he started a church in Russia. This is like the 1980s. And when he started the church, he reached this guy. This guy was a sailor. He was a smoker. He's a drinker. He's a cusser. I mean, he's, he's you know, I, I don't know what you imagine when you think of sailors. They're awesome. But, um, but you know, he's, he's got all that going on. And when he came to faith in Jesus, after coming to faith in Jesus, he would like smoke on his way to church. And he, he's like coming into the church service, putting out a cigarette, smelling really bad, you know. And it um, reminds me of a joke that somebody told me one time, total ADD moment, but uh, somebody said one time that smoking won't send you to hell, it'll just make you smell like you came from there. So, <clears throat> but 
all the people in the church were like harassing him about smoking. And so they were like going on and on and on and on. You need to quit smoking. You need to quit smoking. And, and of course, at some point, he, he probably should quit for his own health. And at some point, God probably will deal with him on that. But he came to my mentor and he said, you know, everybody's telling me I need to quit smoking. But the thing I really feel like God's telling me is I need to quit cussing. Like everything out of my mouth is, you know, it's a cuss word. So I need to stop cussing. And the, the point that he was making, even as a young follower of Jesus, is that the spirit of God was, was at work internally in him. And there was this one thing he was trying to change. So there's, there's often one thing that God has already been working on you with. And I want to encourage you to ask the question, what's that one thing that you've already sensed? And it may not necessarily be the thing that your sibling or your spouse or your coworker thinks you need to change, but it's the thing that God thinks you need to change. Because when the spirit of God moves in you, he's going to give you the power to change the thing that he's asking you to change. And I'm so glad from my journey that God is gracious and patient with me. That God will say, okay, I'm gonna put my finger on this thing and we're gonna work on that. And then when we make progress, we're gonna move on to the next thing. And then we're gonna move on to the next thing. He doesn't, for me, my journey, and maybe I've, I've misread him, but for me, it's not all at once. God is gracious to give me one thing at a time that he's working on, or a few things at a time. So what are those things that God wants to bring transformation this year in your life. It could be a small group that you join that helps you. It could be habits financially. It could be the way you handle your being honest with your words. There's a list that God wants to bring about, but as you search and pray, he'll give you that one thing. Now, corporately, I believe this is also true for us. And part of what we say is, okay, where is God leaning in here that he wants us as Saddleback family? to make progress, and there are a couple areas that are on my heart and mind for our church as I look to the new year. And one of them is around our prayer as a church and our ability to engage together with prayer to see the world change with the love of Jesus because breakthrough prayer is something that God uses to change nations. God said, ask and I will give the nations to you. And so this year, we're gonna step into some bold prayer. We're gonna launch 24 hours a day, seven days a week prayer around the clock as we do a prayer series later in uh, this quarter. We're gonna focus on what does it mean? Could you imagine if we could mobilize 30,000 people to pray for God to move in our generation? So if we lean in to the few things, we're gonna reignite our passion to reach people who don't know the love of Jesus, to say, how can we live our lives on mission? And those two things that if we would just give attention to them would make all the difference. God is working in you, God is working in us, and he wants us to focus and hear his voice and lean in. And that leads to the third component, which is to choose the doable gain or doable gains over the elusive gap. Choose the doable gains over the elusive gap. Now, I want you to think of it like this, coming back to my measuring stick. If you were to think about the ideal version of you into the future, and you were to say, this is, this is what I wanna be like. This is the dad I wanna be. This is the employee I wanna be. This is the me I want to be. There's this idealized version. You could use this vertical concept. You could use a future concept, but you see it. But between where you are right now and where you want to be in the future, there's a gap. And you can see that gap. You can see all the things that are not right about you. Now, when you look into the mirror, 
I know that there are some of you, you look into the mirror and you think, awesome, that's amazing, God did a great job, how could he do better than this? Most of us don't think that. Um, when I look in the mirror, I see, I see all the things in me that are not what they could be. And oftentimes that comes with shame, comes with regret, comes with sadness, and there's a gap between where I am and where God wants me to be, where I wanna be. There's a wonderful book on this called The Gap and the Game. But when I look back, actually, and I see where I am now, and I look at five years ago, or 10 years ago, or 15 years ago, and I see the progress that God has brought in my life, the patience that I have now that I didn't have then, the joy in my life that I didn't have then, the ability to love that I didn't have then, the fruit of my life that the Spirit of God has brought about, that's the gain along the way. So here you are right now in this moment going into a new year and you've got an old year behind you and there are some gains that you've made in the past in the rearview mirror and when you look in the rearview mirror of your life, you might even be tempted to think of all the things that were not right, all the shame, all the regret, all the sorrow and your mind is still so focused on that gap between who you could be and who you are in this moment. And there's a shift in our focus. What Paul is saying is to focus in on that, that progress, number one, that you've already made, and number two, that you're gonna make into the future. And I'll find for myself there are moments where like, I take my kids out, I have an awesome day with them, I spend time with them, I'm intentional, and what do I remember about the day? I remember that one moment I was impatient with a kid. It's in my mind. It's like that's what I'm focused on. And that's not the voice of God. That is not the voice of the Holy Spirit. There's an encouragement. I'll give it another way because it's so much easier. Don't you find when you think about somebody else it's a whole lot easier than when you think about yourself? Because you see all the stuff in you that's not the way it should be. But when somebody else does a good job, you can see it. Like I'm, I'm talking to Stacy this week and talking about our small group leaders and those who host small groups here at Saddleback. Stacy went this week, uh, this Wednesday, to be with all of our next-gen small group hosts and leaders. And this is a group of men and women that invest in our students, they invest in our kids. We have small groups all the way from kids to students, all the way to people in their 60s, 70s, and 80s, and all of them are hosted and led by people in our church. And she was there with them this week, but one day this week, my son's small group leader got together his high school boys and he planned a full afternoon. So they're all out of school last week. He plans this afternoon, they go over his house, they're playing ping pong games together, they're, they're enjoying each other, they're eating good food, they go play basketball. This guy, who's a professional businessman, takes time out of his busy schedule to invest in a group of young men. I want you to see this picture here and just to look at here is this guy, um, my son's the one on the far right, um, but up in the middle, that's Alan Goldberg from our church. And Alan, if you're listening to my voice, thank you, thank you. Thank you for loving kids. Thank you for investing your life in the next generation. Wouldn't it be such a great tragedy if on Wednesday or Tuesday, whatever day they were together, he laid his head down and he's like, man, I, I played one game, it was five minutes too long. I should have made that game, I could have done that game differently. I, I should have said this differently. If he laid down at night and all he was focused on was the gap instead of the game, I sure hope he laid down and thought, oh, that's a good day, that's a good day. 
I invested my life in a bunch of young men whose lives will be different. I wanna encourage you today to let the Holy Spirit speak hope and life into you. You're doing a good job. You're making progress. You're not who you were. You've come a long way. And that distance that you've traveled can speak life into your soul. And when you look at the progress you've made, it gives you hope for the future. And actually, you can look to your future and say, okay, what gains can I make now? Because God brought me this far. How much further can God bring me? Do you see the difference between the perfection versus progress mindset? That this brings you hope deep in your soul. We forget what is behind us. We strain towards what is ahead, and we focus on the doable gains. Sounds like a great title for a podcast. Doable discipleship. If you don't know, we have a podcast called that here as a church. So we focus on the doable gains over the elusive gap. Now I have one final one, one final component, and it comes out of this last verse as Paul says, oh wait, before we go, there are gonna be some of you that think this wasn't a perfect sermon if I don't give you this fill in the blank. So <laughs> where can you make progress over the next three months? I wanna make sure you got that. Um, okay, uh, let's come to this last verse though. Paul says, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which Christ Jesus, which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And the fourth component is to focus in, to choose the brighter future over the unchangeable past. To choose the brighter future over the unchangeable past. You can think of it through the lens of a runner who can't look backwards and run into the future or run forward. But you can also think of it through the angle of driving your car. Because when you sit down in your car and you're on your way home today or you're driving down the road this week going to work, you're gonna be sitting in a car and in front of you is something that you call a windshield. And inside that windshield, up in the middle, there's gonna be a small thing, what's that called? It's a rear view mirror. But some of us, the way we live our lives if we drove our car the way that we live our lives, we would constantly be getting in accidents. We would constantly be hitting the person in front of us. We would constantly be swerving out of our lane because our vision is all focused on what's behind us. All the things that we can't change in the rearview mirror. So there's a reason why when cars were designed, the windshield is like this. You need a rearview mirror. You need to learn. I need to learn from my past but I need a bigger, brighter vision for the future that inspires me to step forward with bold faith. And the confidence that I can have, that you can have, and I feel this so deeply as I prayed for you this week and over the holiday, just going on prayer walks and thinking about this year and all that is ahead, God just kept putting in my heart this deep sense, this deep impression that he wants you to understand his character and his nature the greatness of who he is, but the goodness of his nearness to you. That he is not just this far off, distance, ethereal force. He is a personal God who loves you and knows your name and knows every hair on your head. And your whole life, 
The God of the universe has been following you and blessing you and pouring out favor on your life. So you can look in the rearview mirror and you can see his faithfulness. That's what he wants you to see when you look back. So much that the psalmist would say these words, surely your goodness and your unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. And the only way that David knew that was by looking back to see, oh, my whole life, the goodness and mercy of God has been following me everywhere I've gone, in every trial, in every triumph, in every failure, in every great moment, at your wedding, at your cancer, in your depression, when you almost took your life. His goodness and mercy was there with you in those deep, dark moments. And that same goodness of God that was in the past is in your future. And I'm so motivated by this right now as I just keep thinking about the future for my life and I keep thinking about the future for our church and just meditating on who God is. And again, that he stands outside of time and he's not limited by my day or my week or my year, but he's already in the moments that are ahead of you. He's already going before you. So much that he would say to Joshua when Joshua is assuming leadership for the great nation of Israel that God loves so much. He would say to Joshua, the Lord himself will go before you and he will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Your God is with you. He is for you. He's behind you. He's around you. He's working in you. He's working through you. So when you get there to tomorrow, you can have confidence. Your view of the future can be shifted. Ephesians says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly beyond all you can think ask or imagine with your dreams and vision, your God is able to do in you through the power of the Holy Spirit. So your vision can increase, your dreams can be big because we have a big God who has been faithful. And oh, how I think this is so important for our church right now. We have a rich history, 42 years, Saddleback Church, one of the most renowned churches in the last generation of what God's done in the world. And we celebrate that past. We honor that past. We thank God for that past. But God is saying to us, this year, this decade, this season, there is more in store for Saddleback Church. If you were to limit your vision to what I've done in the past, you would be too small in what you believe and ask for. So stretch your vision. The question is, how does your view of the future know, shift knowing that God is going before you? the unchangeable God, the faithful God of the universe, whose favor has been following you your entire life is going before you into the new year. So you can have boldness, you can have confidence, you can dream into the future. Your vision can be lifted because of who God is, because of how great and good he is and how much he loves you. So I wanna invite you right now, if you will, just put your notes down for a moment and just stand with me as we respond and we sing these words that declare that we have a God who is listening. Now, you may be here and this is your first time in church and what a great way to start the year. You, you downloaded the app, you came, you're here, you're like, okay, this is my year and I'm gonna explore what I believe about God and that's, that's awesome, we're so glad that you're here and you're exploring the same God that I've been talking about, that so many of us know, 
he brought you here on purpose. And all of these words are true for you today. You are deeply loved, you are chosen, he is pursuing you, and his favor has been following you. And by faith in Jesus, the Son of God, the one who conquered the grave, the one who gave his life for you today, you can have hope, you can be filled with the presence and the power of God. And so I wanna invite you, Saddleback family, let's start this new year in adoration, in gratitude for the faithfulness of God and believe with bold confidence that God is going before us and this is gonna be a better year. This is gonna be a better year for us individually and us collectively. God, we thank you today. From our mouth and from our heart, we celebrate that you are with us, you're going before us. We rejoice in this moment as we sing this beautiful song God, that we can have confidence. We can have confidence with the new year. Let these words sink into our heart that like Paul, no matter what circumstance we are chained to today, our vision for the future would increase because of who you are, because of the fact that you are with us. In Jesus' name, amen.